0: The Shy Chat Podcast. Stories that connect. Hi, my name is Peter Reinholdt and I'm the host of the Shy Chat Podcast. This is a new podcast series that we are launching in the Chicago office, which is featuring our Chicago colleagues and their candid, inspiring, and often entertaining stories. We are launching this to highlight our people and learn how they have pioneered their purpose at home or at work. I recently sat down with clients and markets manager Afra Lucas and heard about her fascinating story from being born in Tanzania to living in Germany and now the United States. She also shared her thoughts on how knowing where you come from is important to know where you are going. Our first guest of the Shy Chat podcast is Afra Lucas. A manager on KPMG's client and markets team in Chicago. Welcome to the podcast, Afra. Hello, Peter. Afra, I've been I've known you for a couple of years around the office, and uh, I mainly know you as one of the best German speakers I know, so I can practice my broken German.
1: Thank you. But thank
0: you. Uh, after learning more, I I figured out that you have one of the most fascinating stories, and that kind of starts right from birth. So would you mind just starting about where you were born and uh, talk about your early childhood?
1: Yes, of course. Well, um, glad to be here again. I was actually born at the bottom of Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, in Tanzania, um, a little place called Machame, and um, was then, um, lived there until I was two years old. Um, Part of that story is actually that I was adopted um, by Germans doing development work in Africa, and um, my German parents then lived there with me for two more years. So... um, But yeah, the question is probably what leads me here today, why I'm Mm -hmm. in Chicago, but I actually end up, as I mentioned, born in Africa, then raised in Germany later, and then my career brought me to Chicago. It was probably the shortest version to sum up my life. Yeah,
0: you summed it up in about, you know, a sentence and a half, which is...
1: (laughs) Pretty good for a German. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So yeah, let's just unpack that and let's let's start back uh, where it all began in Tanzania. So you were born and then adopted straight away? Did you have any contact with your birth mother?
1: So it's, um, yeah, now looking back, you know, becoming a parent uh, last year, it's crazy to look back at this, but my birth mother was actually only 13 years old. Wow. So she wasn't able to raise me. Um, 1984 in Africa, a young um, African, actually child herself, yeah. wasn't able to raise me. And um, yeah, it's a blessing that my family actually in that time frame learned of this situation and they were able to adopt me right after birth. And it was a gift to my family. Um, so that's how I ended up with them. And um, I never met her at that point. I think it wasn't a um, close adoption in that sense, but they um, took me you know, to their home, and we lived in Africa for two more years. But then there was no other contact with the, with, uh, with my birth mother.
0: So, Appa, you spent most of your life living in Germany. Did you ever make it back home to Africa?
1: Yes, it's funny you, yeah, you ask. I actually made it back on three occasions mm-hmm. um, to the states. I went back when I was five years old because my mom said, "Hey, before you go into school, let's take this trip." Mm-hmm. So she actually took me on a three-months adventure to hitchhike through Africa.
0: Wait a second. You brought a five-year-old hitchhiking out throughout Africa?
1: Yeah, she said the only thing you could take is this wolfskin backpack, and these little cha-cha-cha shoes, and anything you can fit in the backpack. I think at first I packed all my toys, but she then made made it clear to me that I can bring anything, like the stuff I need to wear and we have to wash and whatnot. So we literally hitchhiked through the half of the continent uh, in three months on the back of trucks, we tented in Gorgor Crater in national parks. That one time she actually said, the fire went out and she had to cover my mouth because she was scared I'd scream because the lions were around our tent.
0: Lions around your tent?
1: Yeah. Oh my How about gosh.
0: that? <laughs> now that's more of an adventure than I ever had as a five-year-old.
1: So I tell you that. that was number one. Um, the second time I actually went back. I was in fourth grade, and i it was more of a touristy tour, I think. You know, we didn't take it to that extreme, mm-hmm. but we, I traveled with my dad back at that time, and we, um, we just, you know, we saw different things, but that was the second time, not as adventurous by far. And then the last time was actually intense, grade. My dad came to me, and he asked me if I ever wanted to go back, mm-hmm. um, and I said, well... Maybe. you know that sounds great but it was actually to meet my real family or my birth my birth mother and possibly family and I you know was unsure at that time because when you're at that age you wonder what that would do to your life and how it would change it but I guess you know in my gut I just knew it, you kind of need to know well you, you know in order to know where you're going you need to know where it came from and so for me I just kind of said yes mm-hmm. he went to the um to Africa without me he traveled around for two weeks to find. Um, part of my, you know, birth family, and he found some folks in the um, Kilimanjaro region that told him that um, my biological mom and uncle lived in Dar es Salaam at the coast at that time. So he came mm-hmm. back to Germany and he said, "Okay, if you want to, I found them. I established con- a contact, and we can go." Wow! So he took me.
0: So growing up, most of your life in Germany and being culturally German, was that weird to come back after so many years and spend some time in? meet your birth mother
1: yeah i think there were two things that like stood out i mean obviously meeting them eventually but definitely the other the the first time when we landed we flew into arusha we uh right near the kilimanjaro my dad did a safari with me and this lion ate a zebra right in front of me like i just (laughs) completely was felt like i was dropped in the discovery channel and it's just out of this world for me you know growing up in europe and you know, being afraid of a small house spider, that was definitely an extreme. But then, from there, I think the I don't want to say the serious part began, but it was also what I noticed the way people looked at me. you know, you're out of your your element. you also have a different languages around you my My dad was fluent in Swahili, which was great, but I think everyone around us still saw a young African female with a older white man. Yeah. and I think the way people looked at us was the first time in my life where I noticed that people, look at us in a way where they might not think he's my dad. And
0: it was odd, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, as, as you know, I spent almost six months in Berlin, so I have a a small German experience. And one of the racial tensions that I specifically saw was between a lot of like your natural born Germans and those with Turkish descent. Mm -hmm. So did you also feel those racial tensions bet when you were living in Germany? And and how did that compare to your time um, when you moved to the States?
1: Yeah, this is interesting. I guess, you know, to just kind of go back, I, I end up meeting my real family, like Ed, which was, um, I'm really glad I did it, most so also for them that I'm okay. Yeah. And then, you know, moved back to Germany. And I think it was the first time that I saw extreme cultural differences in one place. And it's hard to put in words in that sense. But I think you know the really big gap between the rich and the poor um, mm-hmm. you know these different classes but very extremely displayed yeah. but then also these I don't want to say they were racial tensions but it was just a different culture and you know me and my dad being in Africa that was interesting and maybe that also put a little bit of a different perspective on me when I went back um, but also I think to a certain point I thought about how fortunate I was how I grew up in the Western world and the things that I've had but then beyond that point and what you asked me you know I think coming to the States, essentially, you know, I realized that despite the history of Germany, despite that there are also, you know, tensions in that country, I grew up in an environment where I was always Afro. Mm -hmm. There was no, if you would have asked me, you know, was I the only one and all these different things, I never remembered that because I never felt that I was, even though I might have been. Yeah. And in Africa, the way I think people looked at my dad, I realized they kind of you know, pointed him out like they wanted to touch his skin, like there were different things that happened that for the first time I realized that. And then I think coming back to the US, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic in this country that I was just never exposed to before.
0: Yeah, No, that, that's really interesting. And um, did you ever find there was any sort of uh, like language barrier when you would go back to Africa versus being in, in Germany and then coming to the U.S.? I know you've got, actually studied a number of different languages, you know, yeah. English and German and, and what else? In
1: Spanish, yeah. I think, you know, I think there's always this, it's, it's language barriers, yes, but it's also culture. Mm-hmm. And to, to coming to Africa, that was completely intense from the perspective that I actually couldn't, I learned a very little Swahili, but if the the person I spoke to couldn't speak English, I could actually not converse with them. So you do try to communicate the way you can, and then otherwise my dad would translate. In Germany, you know, growing up, I never, all my friends around me, everyone, you learn a lot of languages from a very young age. You know, you start in fifth grade with your second language, and then you learn your third language. Sometimes kids know two other languages in addition to that. So I've had that a lot, but actually coming to the States, you know, it was unique that even though I'm fluent in English, it was more about the different accents and where you're from, and that there were just different divides that I don't recall affecting me the same way than they have in Germany in the past.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So now now that after you live in Germany, you come to the US, so tell us a little bit about how you got to KPMG.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so we now went all the way back there. So KPMG, I actually started my career as a trade member of the German government here in Chicago, so consulting businesses and German foreign direct investments. And, you know, I had my eyes on KPMG actually for a very long time. But, you know, Peter, what I didn't think of, and which I'm so glad what I found in this KPMG family, is more than what I expected just for my career. I, you know, living in this country, um, I think there were stereotypes put on me a lot of times when i didn't even know they existed, and they put on you and you realize that sometimes people react differently to you, but you don't understand why and I was very, very fortunate that at a time when it happened more and more, and I was just starting to beginning to understand that I found our inclusion and diversity networks and um like she attended the Day of Understanding that really opened my eyes because yeah. having this international background, I always thought, well, I'm so diverse. But in realizing that my circle of friends isn't at all and that, you know, filling out that kind of sheet that we're supposed to fill out and like, who do you know that's maybe different from you? Yeah. I really didn't have that much um, other than, you know, I have a bunch of German friends and my colleagues from work, but that was really it. And so it really started um, to be the beginning of my journey of learning more about inclusion and diversity.
0: Yeah, but you do really have quite a unique perspective on the inclusion and diversity.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and that's what I noticed too, and that it's okay, but I also have a lot to learn when it comes to that. So I think it's twofold that I wanted to start having to have a conversation with people, Mm -hmm. explaining that my background is unique and I have a different vantage point. That is important, but I also had to understand that I need to start understanding the stories of people in this country um, that come from all different paths, and people that have gone through things that I just haven't gone through, and in some ways that's fortunate. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I, I started to really engage, I started to ask questions, I started to realize what some African Americans are going through that i never been through, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so I think right. acknowledging and starting to understand that, I also learned in a better way to insert my own story and begin a dialogue and also realize how much bias I have for others, why they have that for me, it's just a thing that people have. And I think that is what I'm really thankful for to KPMG that I was able to, you know, go on this journey, I think. And it's part of the reason for it is because I'm here, you know, so.
0: So what would you recommend to others that are trying to get more involved with diversity inclusion networks and really trying to gain some of the perspective that you've been talking to us about?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, learn about other people's stories. It's so absolutely powerful. Mm-hmm. And the thing you see and what you might expect about them, you could be completely wrong and just keep that in mind. And I think society sometimes trains you to do that. It's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. We all do it. But I think I learned that that people look surprised when I tell them that I'm German. So now I take the time and share my story and let them know what my background is. And a lot of times it probably let's, you know, have they leave them thinking differently about me, but I also want to learn about their story because then I'm learning something as well. So I think my, my advice is really just share your story, but also be receptive to learn about other people's stories.
0: Going back to the day of understanding you mentioned, uh, one of the most interesting things I've heard about is that unconscious bias, mm-hmm. and I know you had a few examples of that. Could you talk about where you've seen that and how other people can look out for it?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've noticed when there were actually times when something happened and I didn't even know that it was happening. You know, people saying, oh, your English is so excellent. And maybe it wasn't just said to me in a positive light, but Mm -hmm. I was just happy they said it because, um, you know, English is my second language. But um, I think, to be honest, I think I shared that in a, in a seminar that I attended. Um, I had the chance to go to another, you know, BRG conference and I shared that. And I think it was something that, in the moment when I put unconscious bias on somebody else, mm-hmm. it, I, got re, I, I was just aware that I did it. Sometimes we can't switch it off, but I think being aware of it is the first step into the right direction. Yeah. So that is just what I, I guess, encourage people to do. Be mindful and aware of it, and then hopefully next time it avoids, you know, a situation where it happens again.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. Kind of switching gears here. Um, I know at, at Town Hall, Linda Imanti mentioned you directly as an example of courage. And she talked about how, after you returned from uh, maternity leave, how you noticed a gap in the BRG support um, for parents and caregivers. And you really wanted to give a new idea of how you could give back and help. So you launched the Parents and Caregivers BRG group called The PAC. So for those of us who don't know about what The PAC is, could you explain what it is and and why you launched it?
1: Yes. um, So as I mentioned earlier, I became a mother for the first time last year. Congrats. um, I have a son. Um, he's 19 months now. Um, also speaks some German, which is exciting. No, but honestly, I I came back and thinking that, you know, that thinking back of how I found a place with some of our um, BRG groups. And I thought about how powerful that can be from a network perspective, from knowing that you're not the only one and knowing that there are, um, there are others that you can just have a knowledge exchange with. And so coming back as a new parent, but also working parent, it was important to me to have that, but also for others to have that. And most importantly, KPMG is excellent resources for parents Mm -hmm. and caregivers. They are in existence. They're out there. But sometimes it's just difficult to find them. So I thought about it from the perspective, what if it was easier for everyone to kind of have that connection point? And that's kind of what sparked it. And I got an amazing partner champion, Andrea Rothbrower, involved, (laughs) Um, you know, who's been on a panel, I think, of working parents before. And I heard her talk and I was like, this would be just great to have her championing this and collaborate with her. And then we got a few more people involved and we're actually looking at our next event now. But I think it's still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea was courageous because I acknowledged how difficult it can be and that sometimes you need others to, you know, for support.
0: Is this, a, is this group only for new parents?
1: No, not at all. So I think, you know, right off the bat, when we sent out our first survey, I think 70 people joined right away. And I think now it's up to us to really grow this BRG. We're actually looking to possibly connecting or not possibly have a meeting with one of our clients to look at that we co-host with them. I think there's just, you know, the art of the possible is huge for this and that we really need to get creative. And how can we bring great content? Again, point the resources or the people in the right direction to these resources and creating touch points for um for parents and caregivers alike, you know, existing parents or new parents yeah. to connect with one another.
0: Yeah, I mean, best of luck to the group and hopefully continues to grow that way. Thank you. Um, so we now have heard a little bit about where you came from and your background. Now going back to your quote about, you gotta know where you came from to know where you're going. Where are you going now?
1: That's a good question. No, I'm gonna I'm excited to continue to be a KPMG. I think, you know, I'm as you mentioned, I'm in clients and markets going through a transformation and I'm excited to see what the future holds. I think, you know, in the essence of it wherever I go within the firm, I think it all I'm looking forward for all of it to having something to do with connecting the dots and relationships really. Because the essence yeah. of it that is really powerful.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, before I let you go, Afra, we're gonna do a lightning round. So we'll do a couple questions. Five seconds each for the answer. Let us know. First thing that comes to mind, don't think too hard unless it's a great story, and then I'll let you go for a right. few, few more seconds on that. Last book that you read. All right. Nothing, don't read any books. No, I mean,
1: actually, <laughs> why can't I? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, his la- latest book, started listening to it, I actually want to mention that, and it's important for this topic, and I move, don't know the name. <laughs> All right,
0: yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, last concert.
1: City Winery, uh-huh. don't even know the band, uh-huh. but City Winery, um, several different artists.
0: Gotcha. Um, Early Bird or Night Owl? Early Bird. Oh, man. Night owl, night owl. I can barely pull myself out of bed. But um, favorite ice cream.
1: Stracciatella. Is that even an English Stracci- word? Stracciatella. Yeah. Okay, yeah good. That's great.
0: Um, most useful product in your life right now.
1: It's my phone.
0: What kind of phone you got?
1: iPhone 6S actually. I think the firm might cut me off soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It'll be a mandatory upgrade to I something. At least the ten. <laughs> All right, last last question. Who's the most likely person in the office to listen to this podcast? Especially maybe after you tell me you're in it.
1: Aaron Bailey.
0: Aaron Bailey. (laughs) That might be in her job description that she has to listen to it. Contractually obligated. Uh, Oh, actually, Morton Bruin. Morton Bruin as well. All right. Well, then these guys are going to be on the hot seat to make sure they listen. Um, (laughs) Well, Afra, I just wanted to say thanks again for uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, you were an excellent first guest on the Shy Chat Podcast, and you set the bar extremely high for future episodes. Well, thank you, um, Quite Peter. an inspiring story, and I'm really excited to see where your journey takes you. Thank you for listening to the Shy Chat Podcast. For more information about the parents and caregivers at KPMG Business Resource Group, please contact Afro Lucas at, Afro Lucas at kpmg.com. If you like what you heard, spread the word if you or someone you know has a great story that you think we should hear about, please contact Aaron Bailey at ebailey at kpmg.com or myself at praymold at kpmg.com.